Hello friends, welcome to Log On at 11 Spurgeon Baptist Church's online presence during this current Covid season. Uh, we're going to follow what has become our established pattern, just follow the little liturgy that holds everything together for our morning worship whilst we're online. Uh, if you've got a print copy in front of you, everything in bold type is what we say together. Everything in light type, I shall say on my own. If you're following on the screen, everything in yellow type is what we say together. So let's begin. In the beginning, before time, before people, before the world began, God was. Here and now, among us, beside us, enlisting the people of the earth for the purposes of heaven, God is. In the future, when we will have turned to dust and all we know has found its fulfilment, God will be. Let us pray. Loving God, you are faithful, just and forgiving. Help us now to grasp the greatness of your love. Where we have failed to love and loved to hurt, forgive us and heal us. Where we have scorned difference and have been indifferent to those in need, forgive us and heal us. Where we have spoken harsh words to others and have been quick to take offence ourselves, forgive us and heal us. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. I've been in uh, a count your blessings sort of frame of mind this week uh, because everything is so dull, isn't it? And dreary and it's all the same and I'm fed up. <laughs> I'm sure, you know, I'm not... Um, I'm not unusual in all of this stuff. That That's why, really, I've been doing that little count your blessings exercise. One of the things uh, that I'm very thankful to God for is the fact that I am loved. Uh, somebody loves me. I know that. Uh, I'm married to her. <laughs> uh, and I've got two children and they love me too. And I've got a grandchild and he loves me and I love them. Uh, and I'm very glad that I've got people to love. And actually, I love you too. Not in quite the same way, but I am very fond of all of you. Uh, and this is all part of um, counting blessings. And I'm I'm very glad uh, that I've got, you know, those specific individuals, my close circle, and I've got all of you too. And then that led me to think, what would I do uh, for love? And that, of course, ties in with our story this morning, the bit of the Bible we're looking at in Genesis, um, the life and times of Jacob. Um, Jacob falls in love with uh, one of his cousins, daughter of Laban, uh, the youngest daughter, second daughter, uh, Rachel. Uh, he sees her at uh, a well where she's brought her father's frogs to to get water 
uh, and he helps her draw water from the well and water the flock. And uh, the Bible says, you know, she's lovely to look at, uh, comely, shapely. And he falls in love with her. And uh, he's staying with Uncle Laban because uh, he's running away from his brother who wants to kill him. Uh, and this is his safe place for the time being. And Uncle Laban says to him, look, it's all very well you come in and stay in here and you're a family member and all the rest of it, but you can't work for, for me for nothing. What, what would you like for wages? And he, straight away he says, I'll work seven years for you. And in return, I'd like Rachel as my wife. Well, OK, it's better that you have her than some other person, some stranger. Fair enough. I was talking to a friend uh, a few days ago and we're both married. And I just said to him, how long did you court your wife? And I'm about 18 months, I think, Angie and I. Seven years. Gosh. That's a long time, isn't it? Seven years. And it's not as if that's the end of the story either, as you'll see when we come to it. Because Uncle Laban is like Jacob. He's a bit shifty. You can't trust him. He's a deceiver and a cheat. So seven years is up. And uh, it, it, the Bible says it just went like a few days for Jacob because he's so in love with Rachel. And the time passes. Right. Time to get married. OK, says Uncle Laban. We'll sort out the wedding feast, you know, that all the week of celebration and you can have the girl. So it all gets set up. Uh, wedding day. Boink. Um, goes to bed with his new wife. Wakes up the next morning. And blow me, it's the wrong sister. It's the older sister. It's not the one he wanted. Quite rightly, he's a wee bit upset. Just a minute, Uncle Laban, what's going on here? Oh, well, in our culture and in our country, it's not the done thing for the younger sister to be married first. The older one needs to be married first and then the younger one can be married. Um, You can have the younger one as well. But it's another seven years. Oh. And Jacob just says, OK. Uh, and he does another seven years. Gosh, what would you do for love? Jacob gives 14 years of service to get the woman that he loves. This is what God does for love. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. There's a very famous verse, isn't there? John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world. This is God's motivation for everything. And I think it's really important in these days particularly that we all know and we all become aware that we are loved by God 
And he loves us so much that he will not even withhold his only son. In fact, that's the reason for Jesus coming to the earth. He comes to show us what God is like. He comes to teach us, certainly both of those things. But ultimately, he comes to die so that our sins might be forgiven. And he rises from the dead so that we might have hope. And in fact, everyone that has accepted Jesus as Lord and Saviour will be with him forever. How much are you loved? Wow, more than you can know. After Jacob had stayed with him for a whole month, Laban said to him, Just because you are a relative of mine, should you work for me for nothing? Tell me what your wages should be. Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah had weak eyes, but Rachel was lovely in form and beautiful. Jacob was in love with Rachel and said, I'll work for you seven years in return for your younger daughter, Rachel. Laban said, it's better to give her to you than to some other man. Stay here with me. So Jacob served seven years to get Rachel but they seemed only like a few days to him because of his love for her. Then Jacob said to Laban, Give me my wife. My time is completed and I want to lie with her. <clears throat> so Laban brought together all the people of the place and gave a feast. But when evening came, he took his daughter Leah and gave her to Jacob. And Jacob lay with her. And Laban gave his servant girl Zilpha to his daughter as her maidservant. <clears throat> When morning came, there was Leah. So Jacob said to Laban, What is this you've done to me? I served you for Rachel, didn't I? Why have you deceived me? Then Laban replied, It's not our custom here to give the younger daughter in marriage before the older one. Finish out this daughter's bridal week, then we will give you the younger one also, in return for another seven years' work. And Jacob did so. He finished out the week with Leah, and then Laban gave him his daughter Rachel to be his wife. Laban gave his servant girl Bilhah to his daughter Rachel as her maidservant. Jacob lay with Rachel also, and he loved her more than Leah, and he worked for Laban another seven years. And we come to the next episode in Jacob's life. You will recall that he has stolen... Uh, his brother's blessing. Uh, his brother Esau is not a happy man and is breathing out murderous threats against Jacob. Jacob's mother, Rebecca, has arranged for him to spend some time away from the family home to go and visit her brother Laban. So Jacob is sent away uh, for his own sake, sent away to be safe, effectively away from uh, the brother Esau, <clears throat> away from Esau, who is ready to kill him, really. Once, you know, once dad has died and we've gone through the period of mourning, I'm going to sort him out then. So off he goes. And we were recalling last week that during his journey across to Laban, uh, he has this very big encounter with God, which changes the way that he sees the world. His whole world is turned upside down which of course is what happens when you have a significant and a meaningful encounter 
with God. Even today, that happens. Uh, the journey continues. He finds himself in Laban's country and he starts to ask around. He's standing by a well. There are lots of shepherds there with flocks uh, that are gathered waiting to drink. Do you know Laban? Yes, we do. Oh, and look, here's his daughter, Rachel, bringing uh, their flock uh, to the well. Um, why are you all standing around? Why don't you just move the stone and uh, water your flocks and then go back to pasture? Well, we it's not what we do. We wait until everybody's here and then we just move the stone once uh, and then, you know, job done. We all go back. Jacob just looks at this and thinks this is daft and, and there's Rachel and he likes Rachel. In fact, our reading makes it clear. He's in love with her really from the moment he sees her. So he just moves the stone. We don't know, you know, whether it's a big stone. We don't know whether it would take more than one person normally. Um, probably not because Jacob's not mentioned as being a particularly big bloke or strong bloke is he i mean in fact when he's introduced to us he's not we know he's not even the outdoorsy type you know he's a quiet studious fellow that likes to stay near home and you know does a bit of reading and what have you um whereas esau his brother is the bloke who's the man's man he's out hunting and fishing and shooting and uh, gathering meat and dressing it for the table and so forth so hmm but anyway, uh, he doesn't understand why everybody's hanging about uh, and he just moves the stone. Uh, Rachel waters a flock. Uh, uh, he mentions to her, I'm one of your kin. Uh, I'm looking for your dad. Uh, and uh, she goes off happily and says to dad, um, a cousin has arrived uh, and uh, this is what he did for me. And, uh, you know, he, he's looking for you. Uh, the, the shepherds, at the well, you know, we, we don't know quite what their response or their reaction will have been to Jacob. Uh, but it's interesting, isn't it? You know, when Jacob says, why are you hanging about? Why don't you just move the stone, water your flock and go back to pasture? They just say, well, that's not what we do. You find that sometimes, don't you? Uh, with churches, I certainly I have found that with churches. I, I love it when new Christians come into the church because they they ask all those questions, don't they? Why do you do that? Why do you do it in that way? Uh, and it just causes you to pause, doesn't it? And think, well, why do we do that? And why do we do it in that particular way? New ministers come into churches do that as well, don't they? Uh, I've been here long enough not to be new anymore, but sometimes still I wonder, why do we do that? <laughs> and occasionally it's worth asking the question. Um, I think in church life, you know, we do fall into just doing stuff because we do it. Uh, and every now and again, it is good just to do a little review and to think what's useful to the life of the church now? What's helpful to it? Um and what do, what can we safely discard now? Because, it, you know, whilst it was good at that time, we seem to have moved on. We're in a different place. The context that we're working in is different. The environment that we're operating in is different. These things no longer helpful or they don't 
they don't sort of uh, supply a need anymore. So they could be safely let go of, and that would free us up to do different things, new things, uh, should God bring them uh, across our path. And that could be patterns of church life, it could be patterns of worship, patterns of ministry, patterns of service in the community. You know, there, there are all sorts of things. Uh, I think for all of us, it's just a matter of being alive and alert to what God may be saying to us. And of course, if God is wanting to do something among us, uh, a new thing or a different thing, uh, we'd be wise to take notice and see how we might join in with that and see that happen. So, you know, things that are good and helpful clearly should remain and they should be encouraged. But things that, you know, uh, are no longer relevant. Well, those things can be put down. Jacob here breaks with tradition. He pulls the stone away. He allows Rachel's flock to get in. He makes himself known as a kinsman. Um, Rachel runs home and tells Laban and out comes Laban to greet his nephew. Um, <clears throat> Jacob's broken uh, the code of the shepherds, the tradition of the shepherds. They won't like him for that. He's impressed the girl of his dreams, which is always a good thing, isn't it? And he's ingratiated himself with her dad. Now, this is a good start, a really good start for this fellow. Uh, and we'll see how it unfolds. We know, don't we, that Jacob actually is not a nice man. We know that Jacob is a cheat. And he will defraud if he can. That's his history. That's how we were introduced to him. You know, even in his mother's womb, grasping his brother's heel. Uh, someone, someone that can't be trusted. We know that. So things begin to unfold. Uh, he's taken into Laban's household. Uh, and we discover that Laban is equally tricky. He's not a straightforward fella either. And it becomes clear that Jacob is not going to have everything all his own way. Things are going to, they're not going to be smooth. And remember, we've had this encounter with God now and God has made promises to him. He is the recipient of the blessing, God's blessing. Uh, and God has made promises to him. And how are we going to see this worked out? Well, it's not a smooth road. Even now, it's not a smooth road. So keep that in the back of your head. So after a month of being in Laban's household <clears throat> and working with him, Laban, Laban just takes him to one side and says, um, look, I know you're a relative and everything, and, but I can't have you working for nothing. Um, what, what, what shall I pay you? What wage would you like? This is a bit unusual, isn't it? Um, normally you would just say, well, this is the going rate. I mean, you are you are family. Uh, and uh, I wonder if there was a mate's rate. <laughs> but anyway, it, normally it would be the employer that would say, this is what I'm going to pay. Um, interesting that he says, what shall I pay you? Uh, and Jacob says, I'll, I'll work for you for seven years. And in return, I would like Rachel as my wife, please. Okay, agreed. I may as well let you have her as some stranger. And so he works for seven years. Seven years. 
How long would you wait? How long did you court your wife for? If you're married. Your husband. Your spouse. I think Angie and I courted for about 18 months. Uh, seven years. How long would you wait for something that you really wanted? Um, it's very different, isn't it? Our life today, buy now, pay later, credit, you know, uh, why wait? <clears throat> very different today. Um, not just in material things either, but spiritually as well. I think some of this affects the way that we think in churches sometimes. You know, God makes promises and God fulfills his promises. As we have seen, you know, as we've read Genesis, uh, we saw the way that God fulfilled his promise to Abraham uh, to make him the father of nations. But he didn't do it straight away. Uh, and not without. Uh, some delay and some difficulty along the way uh, and we've you know we're seeing it again uh, with this Jacob episode aren't we God's promises are fulfilled but sometimes they take a long time and for one of Jacob's children Joseph uh, the promise that he receives in a dream uh, that will be fulfilled too but it will take uh, about 27 years. Uh, well, it, it takes certainly a generation uh, for the promise. The promise is that his father and his brothers will bow down to him. Uh, you remember the Joseph story, a fabulous story. Uh, and again, you know, there's a refrain in that story. God was with Joseph. And it's very hard to see because everything goes wrong for Joseph in the beginning. But that's another story. Um, <clears throat> so Jacob does seven years. He does seven years work. Uh, and then when the seven years is up, he says to Laban, right, um, time for me to have my wife now. Uh, right, absolutely. <clears throat> so they'll uh, we'll do all the usual stuff, celebrate for a week. And, you know, jobs are good. And so let's let's party. I wonder what Jacob was drinking that day <laughs> because he, he lays with the woman uh, and it's the next day when he wakes up that he realises it's the wrong sister. He's got Leah. He hasn't got Rachel. What has gone? What, what was he drinking? <laughs> uh, <clears throat> and then and he says to Laban, hold on a minute. This, is, this wasn't what we agreed. I said I would do seven years for Rachel and you've given me Leah. What's going on? Oh, well, where we are here in our country, uh, in our culture, it is not usual for the youngest daughter to be married off first. The oldest daughter is married off first. Um, let's finish this bridal feast week. Uh, and then uh, I'll give you Rachel, but you'll give me another seven years. Oh, well, I mean, that's what's agreed, though. And that's what he does. Isn't that interesting? You know, when we were introduced to Jacob and the first significant episode 
between the two brothers was to demonstrate that this notion of the eldest primogenitor genitor, um, wasn't something that could be taken as a given. And now he finds himself in this foreign land and it is a given for this girl. It is a given for Laban and for his family. Uh, the oldest girl will be married first. And you're welcome. <laughs> if, you want, if you want the younger one, that's another seven years, bud. And he takes it, doesn't he? Jacob just takes it. Uh, now he knows what it feels like to be on the wrong end of a scheme. Now he knows what it feels like to be on the wrong end of a deception. I mean, there's a part of me that thinks good. <laughs> now he knows. Um, but of course, God is working his purpose out. Uh, who decides what's fair? Well, actually, we don't. We think we do. But it's not for us to say. It's for God to say. Um, fairness actually hasn't been a hallmark of this story, has it? Uh, from the very outset, nothing has been fair about this. It's all been about deception and conflict. And it's continuing in that same vein. But the shoe is on the other foot. Um, God is working his purpose out. Uh, even in the midst of this tangle and this mess. So Jacob sees out the week uh, with Leah and then he's given Rachel, whom he loves more than Leah, and he works for another seven years. He's not ducking and diving. He's not trying to get out of this. He's not trying to worm his way around it. Uh, he just accepts the situation and he works with it. And sometimes, friends, that's what we have to do, isn't it? Uh, life is as it is, as much as we would wish it to be different. And again, you know, we're, we're in a context and a situation which none of us could have foreseen. Uh, and it is, it is not an easy way of living. It's, we are separated from one another. We can't see the people that we love. We can't be amongst our friends. All of the things that usually sustain and encourage and help us seem to have been just taken away from us for a time. But it is just for a time. It's not forever. Uh, and we will be able to see one another face to face uh, in the days that lie ahead. We just have to work with what we've got right now and make the best of it, which is what Jacob does. And Jacob does it for love, doesn't he? What would you do for love, I wonder? What lengths would you go to to secure your beloved? Listen to this. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's quite something, isn't it? Something for me to ponder in these days of lockdown.
something for us to remember whilst we're waiting for the days to pass. Still loved by God and that's wonderful. Amen. Let us pray. Father, thank you for this opportunity to pray, to pray for the needs of the world and to pray for our friends. We continue to pray for relationships between uh, our country, the UK and China. Uh, as things develop in Hong Kong and we uh, make offers of support to the people of Hong Kong and China respond uh, negatively at the moment to those things. We continue to pray that diplomatic, diplomatic channels will remain open and that conversation will continue to go back and forth. We pray for the people of Myanmar, uh, Burma as it was, uh, following the military coup. We wonder quite what will happen there. Pray for all those that seek to see democracy firmly established and embedded in that country. We pray for all the uh, democratically elected politicians and leaders of political parties who may be under pressure right now, some of them under arrest and maybe in prison. Uh, we pray for strength and courage for them. And pray that the military leadership will roll back from where they are, will go uh, to the electorate quickly, uh, will uh, have new elections soon and will abide by the result. Uh, we pray for uh, our country's relationship with the European Union. We're aware that uh, we're in a very new territory now having left the European Union and there are all sorts of conversations that still need to go on around Northern Ireland and how things how goods and services operate and are moved uh, from that country into Europe and from Europe into Northern Ireland and UK. We pray for those that are engaged in the conversation, pray that uh, cool heads will prevail and that the talks will be fruitful and that they will lead to a good and satisfactory conclusion. We continue to be thankful, Father, for the rollout of vaccines against COVID-19. Uh, thankful for all those who are engaged in the production of the vaccine, uh, in the logistics chain to see it delivered uh, to various sites. Uh, to all those members of the NHS and the armed forces who are making this happen, uh, we look forward uh, to being vaccinated in due course and we look forward to uh, an opening up of all of the facilities in our country in due course. Pray that you would help us to be patient in these days because it is uh, it, it is extremely wearing Lord for us. We know uh, each day you know brings its own 
its own troubles, as the scriptures say. It brings its own rewards too. What we need from you right now is patience and resilience. And with that in mind, Lord, we give you thanks for the life of Captain Sir Tom Moore. Uh, that dear, dear gentleman uh, and army veteran of World War II who died at the age of 100 in these past few days. We thank you that he embodied everything that is good about our country and that he's such a good example. He is what we would like to be. We were immensely taken with his cheerfulness, his courage, his grit and determination and his willingness to put what little he had to use to raise funds for others is 100 laps of the garden by the time he was 100 to raise funds for the NHS. And we recall what he said, even in these dark days, we recall what he said, tomorrow's a better day. And that phrase just embodies hope. And it's a hope that we can subscribe to because we believe in you. And we know that you're with us no matter what the circumstance every day. And that is your promise, never to leave us or forsake us. And again, with that in mind, Lord, we come to pray for our friends. We ask your blessing upon Chris, Ken, Adrienne and Hugh, Eric, Les, Dot, Margaret and Bob, Peter, Jesse, Dennis and Shirley, Mary, Jay, Terry, Naomi, Thelma, Nigel, Lynn, Graham, Lauren and Lewis, Ron, Gail and Andy. Be all that our friends need in these days, we pray. We gather up our prayers together as we say the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. We say the canticle together. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship? or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord.
Now go forth into the world in peace. Be of good courage. Hold fast to that which is good. Render to no one evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the afflicted. Honour all people. Love and serve the Lord, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, rest upon you and remain with you always. Amen. Amen.